From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Grab a Bible or a phone if you have a phone. Um, how many? Of you, how many? I can't see those online. If you are online and you have a Bible, hold it up. How many have a physical Bible in the room? Okay, how many of you have a digital Bible in the room? Okay, open up your digital Bible or your physical Bible, whichever one. If you don't, you're like, I don't have a physical Bible. I would love one. We, we have some around here somewhere. We can get you one. If you want to, you're online, you can join us and we'll get you one. If you're like, I'm more of the digital persuasion, you can go to the App Store and download the YouVersion Bible app and it's a free Bible. I encourage you to do so. Lots of Bible reading plans on there for you as well. If you're like, I just need to, I need something that's going to trek me through the Bible or some things in the Bible, uh, lots of stuff there for you. Psalms 138 is where we're going to be reading from today. So you can turn there. And I want to encourage you uh, to take notes because here is the reality. You will forget what I'm going to say. I know some of you love what I say and how I say things, but you will forget because you are not that, you don't have that good of a memory. Now, if the Spirit of God hits you with something, then maybe you'll remember. But sometimes I don't even remember what I preached like a few weeks ago. I'm like, what did I preach on? And I spent time, like hours and days, going through what I'm going through. So if you have a, a, a notepad, take some notes. And don't just take, you know, write stuff down that maybe I say. But I want to encourage you to write down things that you hear or feel the Lord say to you. If you feel God kind of speak to you. And more than often than not, it's something will pop out of you or jump out of you. And it just kind of hits your mind or hits your heart. Or you're like, man, did he read my mail this past week? I did not. I did not scope you out on social media. I did not follow any of that. I have no idea what's going on. So if you feel like he's literally talking to me, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit he's talking to you. God is speaking to you. Write those things down. Write those things down because notes don't forget. Notes do not forget. Psalms 138. I'm going to read the whole thing for us this morning. It goes like this. Psalm of David. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness for you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me and you greatly emboldened me. May the kings of the earth praise you, Lord. When they hear what you have decreed, may they sing of the ways of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though loftily, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Father God, we just thank you today for a time together. Worship, Lord that we can come together and give you praise. And as we turn our attention to the scripture, I pray that you would illuminate this for us, that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and share and speak the things you want to speak. Lord, that you transform our thinking and you transform our mind, Lord, and you would transform us in Christ Jesus so that when we walk out of this place or we turn off the screen, Lord, that we would be transformed and changed and more and more like Jesus. So we commit our mind, we commit our heart, we commit our ears, Lord, to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing our look at um, some psalms for um, this summer, these ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers. 
And uh, we're learning from them, seeing what they have to say, what we can be reminded of. And today, I hope that it's another good reminder. Um, The Psalms that we've looked at so far have shown us, if I could just kind of recap, has shown us how we can feed joy into our circumstance. We've looked at uh, prayers of lament, that there's a, a place and space in the Lord to grieve and express sorrow. We often forget that. We've looked at betrayal and our response to betrayal. And today we turn our attention to this one. And I want to point, you know, I want to point you to this thought is how gratitude can shift your altitude. Gratitude can shift your altitude. You want to write something down, you can write that down. Gratitude can give you a new perspective. It can help you see things a little bit differently. And I think if anything in a time like today, in our world, in our nation, in our province, what we see, we need we need new altitude. We need new perspective. Now, there's this really funny phenomenon that occurs when you reach your 30s. And if you're beyond 30s, maybe you can enlighten me as to this, if this happens for you as well. But when I started reaching my 30s, I started to notice that all the things that my parents told me growing up, and they repeated over and over again and said, like, I think more than I can even count, they start to come out of me. You know, I start to say these things. You know, I don't know if you're like that, but, but that seems to happen, that the things that, whoever was the major influence in your life as you, as you were growing up in those formative years, the things that they shared, the things that they repeated, often come out of you, and you don't even have to agree with the thing. You don't even have to like the thing. You just find yourself saying the thing or doing the thing or acting like the thing. And I noticed this when I hit kind of like my 30s, and it comes out the most with my kids. So when I was growing up as a kid, and I would call out to my dad, I would say, Daddy, Daddy, and he would say one of two things almost every time, every time. He would either say, Whaty, not what do you need, can I help you, yes, Whaty, Daddy, whaty? Or he would say, that's my name, don't wear it out. And I kid you not, I don't even think about it. It doesn't even come across my mind. I don't even think it reaches my mind. It just goes straight to my voice and comes out of my mouth. The things that I rolled my eyes at as a child, I now do. Sometimes I go into the mirror in the bathroom and I put my hands down, you know, just on the counter, I'm looking in the mirror and be like, you're not, you're not. You are not your dad. Stop. Stop it. And then I catch my kids, especially my, my seven-year-old, rolling his eyes, going, oh, Woody. My dad always says Woody. They just come out at you. And some of the, it's not even some things I say. Sometimes it's just my mannerisms and how I act and walked. I'm like, I am my parents. It's horrifying. I need some prayer. Is anybody, am I the odd one out? Is this only like a 30-year-old thing? Or do you pass this when you're 30s? You know, I don't know, but, but here's the thing too, is there's some, beyond the, the crazy stuff, there's some lessons in there. There's some lessons that my parents um, have shared with me that have stuck with me um, over the years. And one of them specifically, and it doesn't even matter what my teachers have taught me, you know, what I will learn later on in life. These, some of these lessons are the things that stick with me. And one of them in particular, I now find myself saying to my kids, usually when I get stuck in a negative frame of mind, Usually when I get stuck in some negative thinking, my, I, I can hear the voice of my dad saying, positive waves, call. Think positive waves. It's this idea that when you focus on the negative, you become negative. Positive waves. And I remember like as a child going like positive waves, positive waves. What are positive waves and how do I get them? 
how do I think positive? They never really gave me the thing that was positive to think about. So I just started thinking about positive, but it never, never came to fruition. But there is this idea, right, that when you think and focus on the negative, you become negative because negative thoughts never lead to a positive life. Negative thoughts can't lead to victory. So when Israel was about to enter the promised land, before they would enter in, Moses sent spies to, to scout it out. Twelve guys went into the promised land. And this land was filled with, with flourishing produce, right? Giant produce. But in the land, there were also these giant people. And ten of the spies came back and said, there's giants in the land, we can't do it. Two guys, two guys looked past the giants and said, we can we can. When the army of Israel was facing off against the, the giant Goliath and Goliath was taunting them, they cowered in fear. One boy named David was able to stand. When the, when the disciples of Jesus were told to feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, if you include women and children, 15 to 20,000, they say, thousands of people. They're like, how are we going to do this? One little boy brought his lunch. I got some loaves and, and some fish. Sometimes we have an altitude problem. We can't see clearly because our thoughts muddy the screen. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Let me read you some scripture on this. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, maybe my... My parents were onto something when they said positive waves. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Not the pain, not the trial, not the difficulty. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, not the problem, not the circumstance. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Let me read you one more. Matthew 6, chapter 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given unto you. And all these scriptures are in the context of anxiousness and worry and shifting our thinking and endurance under trial because this is the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus. What you think, what you focus on, what you look at will determine your perspective and your outlook in life. Proverbs 23, verse 7, in uh, the NASB, I think it's in the NKJV, and probably a few other translations, says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. I like how the ESV put it. It says, for as he calculates in his soul, so he is. Because we have a tendency to focus on the negative. There's a, a psychologist, American psychologist, Albert Ellis, is credited with coining the phrase stinking thinking to describe the human tendency to, to engage persistently with thoughts that do not serve us. And there's a lot of stinking thinking happening in the church today. And there's a lot of stinking thinking happening in society. There's a lot of thoughts that are not serving us. There are a lot of ideas that are not serving us. Henry Ford once said this, he says, whether you think you can or you cannot, you're right. Mahatma Gandhi, a man is but the product of his thoughts, what he thinks he becomes. James Allen, a philosophical writer in the 20th century, says, a man is literally what he thinks, his character being the complete sum of his thoughts. 
And all of these quotes are thought ideas around your frame of mind, your outlook, your perspective has the, the ability to alter your reality. And that is why the scriptures say, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, excellent. Think about those things. Because here, what we think, what we allow to dominate our thought life will influence and determine what we feel. And what we feel will influence and determine how we act. What we think influences what we feel. What we feel determines how we act. So we could literally take more control over our lives and our joy and our hope and our perspective if we just changed what we were thinking. We changed our mindset. And this is the Psalm of David that we come to today, Psalms 138. We've come across a few Psalms of David, and I find that this one is unlike the other ones we've looked at as a church. This one's a little bit lighter. He's a little bit more positive. You know, he's a little bit more hopeful. And what we read in Psalms 138 is really a declaration of gratitude. David has been giving some, some new perspective. He has been reoriented. This is a, a song or prayer on the other side of the complaint. Right? This is something on the other side of lament. Now, what we do know is at some point in some situation, he called out to God and God responded. Something happened, something was going on, and David did what David does, and he called out to God and God responded. Now, here's what you understand about the life of David. David didn't just go through one or two things, like big things. You know, often in life, if we look over the course of the history of our life, we can pinpoint maybe one or two big things that really were difficult for us that we found ourselves going through. Well, David didn't just go through one or two things. As a king of a nation, he constantly faced opposition. He constantly faced enemies. He constantly faced difficulties. And this is partly because of his position as a king, but it was also part of God's plan for him as a king. See, sometimes God's purpose for your life will include battles to face and will include mountains to climb. We're not promised utopia. If you think we are promised utopia, you're reading the wrong Bible and you've believed some prosperity gospel because the only utopia that exists for us is on the other side of resurrection. Not in this life. David faced opposition as part of his role in God's plan. And a lot of times what he faced wasn't even for or about him. But just because he was a king leading a nation. See, sometimes you and me, what we face is part of God's plan for our life, but it really doesn't have much to do with us so much as those around us. That God is using us as followers of Jesus Christ and the things that we go through and the difficult things that we face and the hurdles that we got to climb over for the benefit of others. It's for the whole. But somewhere along our thinking in the West is we've made it all about us. We've bought into this ideology that it's about me, what God has for me. Do you know the scriptures weren't written to individuals? Like there's some letters that were written to there, to, to Timothy. You got Paul who's writing to Timothy, you know, some of those. But it's, it's a collection of writings written to a group of people, groups of people, Israel or the church. Sometimes we face what we face so that we can grow part of God's plan, so that we can be stretched. We become who God wants us to become for the benefit of others. And that was David. And here's David. Um facing what he's facing, whatever it is, and he's called out to God and God's responded. 
And that's what made David uh, a man after God's own heart. That's why God called David a man after God's own heart because regardless of what he was facing, what he went through, whether it was an enemy against him, whether it was a, you know, a betrayal, whether it was grieving, whether it was his own sin, he went after God. He went after God. It says this in verse three, when I called, you answered me and you greatly emboldened me. Verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. It's a prayer of thankfulness. It's not a prayer of vindication. It's not a prayer to, to, to deliver me. He's grateful. He's grateful here. He's thankful for the faithfulness and love of God. And as I read this Psalm, I get this overall sense that he's got this new outlook and he's got this new perspective and he's gained some altitude from songs and prayers of lament, from, from songs and prayers of deliverance to one of gratefulness and of hope. See, gratitude can shift your attitude or your altitude and your attitude. You can do both. Let's throw that one in there too. Gratitude can shift your altitude. See, when you set your mind and your heart on your problem and on your circumstance, which we often do, you will not overcome, but you'll often be overcome. You won't walk as an overcomer, but you'll be overcome often with things like stress, hurt, anxiety, worry. Maybe you won't have hope. You won't see a way out. You'll find that the thing that is you're facing seems insurmountable. And I think a lot of us, when we look at what we're going through collectively as a nation, we feel like this thing is insurmountable. How are we gonna get over this? How are we gonna get through this? Because what have we done? We've set our minds on the problem. We fixed our attention on the difficulty. So the deliberate act of calling to mind the things that we're grateful for. Choosing to call to mind the things that we've been blessed with can raise our altitude and help us to see a little more clearly. So here's what this is practically. It's choosing what you're looking at. It's choosing what you're looking at because what you're looking at will determine what you see. And if what I'm looking at determines what I see, what I'm looking at determines what I think, which determines what I feel, which determines how I act. So if I need to change the way I act, then I need to change the way I feel. If I need to change the way I feel, I need to change the way I think. If I need to change the way I think, I need to change what I'm looking at. So I need to choose what I'm looking at. This is how our minds work, right? You can't always control what shows up there, but you can control what stays up there, right? It's the difference between thinking and thinking about something. It's the difference between something popping up there because you can't control always what pops up there, but you can control what you dwell on. You can control what you spend time thinking on. Arnold Zwinky, a Stanford professor, called this the frequency illusion. I've shared this before, if you remember. He once said that once you notice a phenomenon, you think it happens a whole lot, even all the time. So whatever you're looking for causes you to think there's more of it than there actually is. For example, you're looking to buy a new car. Maybe you're on Kijiji, you're on Facebook, you're going to a dealership, you got a car in mind. All of a sudden, you see that car everywhere, right? Or you buy a car and all of a sudden, everybody's got that car. I'm, this happened to me when we bought our, our van. I'm convinced that nobody had a Dodge Grand Caravan, the most common van that is out there until we had one. And then everyone copied us. We're trendsetters. That's what I'm choosing to believe. It's not true. 
It's the frequency illusion. What you're looking for will determine what you see. And all of a sudden you think it's, there's more of it than there actually is. So this is how this plays out in your everyday life, right? So for example, if you have an interaction with someone, you have an interaction with someone, they treat you poorly, whatever that looks like. All of a sudden you start to think, what if they do this again? And so what, what they say and don't say, how they act and don't act, every glance, every look, you're looking for it. You're, you're trying to find that. You're waiting for it to happen. You're determined that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there and you begin to see it at work and you begin to see it at church and you begin to see it at home, everywhere. And it's not that it's there more or less. It's that you are focused on it. And so you will see it. And do you know what happens is when you see it, you go, there it is, see? I told you. I, told, I knew that was going to happen. I knew they were going to act like that. Can't trust them. I knew it. No. No. That's not true. You've just set your mind on earthly things. You're looking for it. It's not like looking for your keys, right? Because that's the only thing you're looking when you're trying to look for your keys, you can't find your keys. But what I'm looking at, it's the frequency illusion. What I'm looking at will determine what I see more of. So Paul was speaking to the church in Rome in the book of Romans chapter 12. And if you remember, he called them to not conform to the pattern of the world. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be like the world. Do not do as the world does. Non-conformity. Remember that one? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And this is how he told them to go about that. By being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I not conform to the pattern of this world? I need to transform my thinking. I need to think and change my mindset. I need to see things differently. I need to change my altitude. So I need to transform my thinking. And there's a number of ways we can do that. But the one that we're looking at is frequency illusion. If it's true, and what I'm, when I'm focused on the negative, I'm going to see more negative, then the opposite is true as well. So what if instead of focusing on the problem, I started focusing on the solutions? And this is not based on how you feel. You've got you to you choose to go against how you feel, right? Because feelings will dictate behavior. You're deliberately, intentionally choosing to focus on something that you're not feeling. I might be feeling negative, and it's really hard. I know this. I'm looking, I look at my own life. It's really hard when I'm in a funk to get out of that funk. Like, really hard. I get in a deep rut, and I can't get out. It's really hard when you feel a certain way to not think what that feeling is like. But what this is, it's choosing to do the opposite of that. If this is my problem, I'm choosing not to look at the problem. I'm choosing to focus on the solutions. What if, what if instead of wondering whether or not God would come through, we started recalling to mind all the times he did come through? Like, I don't know if he's going to come through right now. What if God doesn't come through? What if this doesn't happen? What if we look back and say, okay, let me look back at all the times he did. Because I can look back at all the times that God did come through, and I can determine just by that alone the outcome of the future. What if I, I called to mind who God was and what God does and what God did and I allowed gratitude to fill my heart? Because I could focus on whatever it is before me and you fill in the blank. I could focus on this thing and I can get distraught and I can get stressed and I can get filled with anxiety. I can become bitter and resentful or I can focus on who God is and what God has done for me and what God does and his character, and the things he's done in the past, 
and I can let gratitude fill my heart. So when I'm looking at this thing, I got greater altitude and I can see a little bit more clearly. So I don't just see a problem or a difficulty or a hurdle or a hill. I now see a way to overcome. I can be like Caleb and Joshua as one of the two of the spies that go into the promised land. And yes, there's giants in the land. How are we going to conquer these giants? And we feel like grasshoppers compared to them. But I can look past all that and see the lush produce and think, man, this is a great place. We got to do whatever we got to do to get through here. Because gratitude so filled my heart because I've looked back at all the things that God has done. Are you with me? What if we focused on something different? This is what David did. His heart is filled with gratitude for what God has done and it's lifted him up. See, the more you focus on what you're grateful for, the more clarity you have. The more soundness, the more confidence, the more peace, the more joy, and you'll be an overcomer. I want to draw your attention to something here that I thought was worth pointing out. Um, David says he starts praising the Lord before the other gods. Starts praising the Lord before the other gods. He says this in verse one, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the other gods, I will sing your praise. Now, this, I think, is important to point out. What, what it means here is not false idols. It's not false idols. Um, the word in Hebrew here is Elohim which we often attribute to God, right? Elohim. What he's talking about is rulers and powers in high places in the unseen realm that God created the host of heaven, track with me, that he put in authority to administer his purposes, but have since rebelled. That's a loaded thing. We put this in a junk drawer called fallen angels. Right? This, we have two black and white categories for this. We have angels and we have demons. But in the unseen realm, there's a lot more hierarchy that goes around. If you look at the scripture, you can see that. And so what he's looking at here, when you look at the Old Testament, and you see that these nations that served other gods, they're not fake gods. There's a reason we call him the most high God. They're not fake gods. They're, they're, they're not idols but if it's their, their authorities and rulers in the unseen realm that have rebelled with Satan against God and tried to take authority and have people worship them. That's why when you look at the story of the Exodus and you see um, God would come in with a, with a plague, right? He's showing his miraculous power that the, the Pharaoh's magicians were able to match it for a little while because the gods that they serve have a measure of power. Right? When we look at Satan, we look at demonic forces, they have a measure of power. They have power. God created them to have power, to administer his will and purpose, but they rebelled against them. As Paul says, behind every idol is a demon. Behind every religion is a power that once served God for God's purposes, but have now rebelled and desired worship and servants for themselves. And so when we come to something like what David's saying here, he's standing with courage before principalities and powers of darkness in the unseen realm and worshiping the most high God. He's, it's like, we'll put it in vernacular that maybe we can understand from you know, our, our generations before us. He's standing before the gates of hell. That's what he's doing. He's standing before all the forces that have fallen from heaven and saying, nana, nana, boo, boo. I will praise you before the gods. I will praise you before the gods. Nana, nana, boo, boo, my God is greater. So whatever you throw at me, you have nothing. 
Now let me translate that for you into our day and day life. So when you look at your problem and you get focused on it, you can find yourself in this negative rut that doesn't help. But if you start focusing on the God who can deliver you from that problem and all the times he has, all of a sudden you're filled with gratitude and you can look at this and you can look at all the enemy tries to throw at you and say, you ain't got nothing. You can try to throw this at me. You can try to throw a, a family separation. You can try to throw a job loss. You can try to throw all these different things at me and you ain't got nothing because my God is greater. Because here's what happens. If the, if the enemy, our spiritual enemy, can influence our thoughts, he gets a foothold in our life and he's won. He's won. But if we can gain some altitude and gain some greater perspective, he loses that hold on us. And some of us have allowed the enemy to come into our life and create a stronghold in our mind a pattern of thinking that causes us to live in a way of worry and anxiety and fear. Not believing that God is who he says he is. How can we come to worship on Sunday morning, worship how great God is, how amazing he is, how powerful he is, and then fear throughout the week? Are we lying? Are we lying? Or do we actually believe what we're saying? You actually believe what we read. You may not feel that way. I'm not talking about feelings. Feelings betray us all the time. We're human. Jesus, when he was in the garden before he was crucified, was sweating blood like he was feeling it. He was, there, they say there's stress can reach a certain degree and a certain level where you're, you perspire blood. Blood comes up. Jesus felt that. When Jesus was betrayed, we talked about it last week, he was troubled in his spirit. He felt it. We don't focus on the feeling. We don't focus on the feeling. We focus on God. And so we start to say, yeah, do you know what? I believe in God and I believe God can do this and I believe God can deliver and I've seen it in the scripture, I've seen it in my life, so I'm no longer gonna look at my problem with fear and insecurity and worry. Even though I feel that way, I'm going to start believing in something greater and something bigger. And I'm going to start standing before the spiritual enemy who's trying to influence my mind saying, you ain't got a stronghold anymore. I'm going to praise my God who can deliver me through this storm. You know, I feel like a little bit, I'll give you a little example of my own life. I feel like with what's going on in our nation, in our world, that, that as a pastor, I'm going to find myself stuck between a sea and an army that's behind me. You know what I mean? So remember the story of Egypt? God delivers them from Egypt, and they're, they're running. Pharaoh changes his mind. They start chasing after him, and they get hemmed with an army behind them and a, and a sea in front of them. What are they going to do? And sometimes I get that way. I'm like, God, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? And I can go, oh, man. And I can get stuck in this, way, this pattern of thinking. Or I can look back and be like, well, he's done it before. What's to stop him from doing it again? Like, do I actually believe that? Do I actually believe he did that before? I sing about it. I preach about it. Maybe I should live it. So maybe you need to start looking at the things that you face and say, okay, yeah, how am I going to get through this seed? There's no physical way through this problem. Oh, wait, I serve a God who can part seas and who can make us walk on dry land. I serve a God who, who, even though all the forces of hell try to, per, try to press up against him and throw all the power they got, that he just goes, uh-uh, ain't happening. That's a God I serve. He'll find a way through this. I serve a God that even if I get thrown into the fire, he'll stand with me in the fire. 
I serve a God that even when I find myself in a boat and a storm's raging around me, I feel like I'm gonna die. He takes a nap because he's, he's at such peace. He's at such peace in the storm. He knows the outcome that he takes a nap. So maybe I can have a nap too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a rest and just, I'm gonna rest with Jesus because I know that he controls the storm. We need to change our thinking. Focus on what God has done. So what has God done for you in your past? Like, look back. What has God done for you? Fix your attention on that. What are the, some, of, some of the things you are grateful for? What are the things you are thankful for? Who are the people you're thankful for? Give thanks for that. I read this week, someone said this, gratitude doesn't change the scenery. It merely washes clean the glass you're looking through so you can clearly see all the colors. Gratitude, thankfulness. So I walk into our house. I'm gonna give you a couple examples then I'm gonna pray for us. Walk into my house. We walk into our house and there's toys everywhere. We have young kids, there's toys everywhere. Legos, remnants of some craft, half of fort, pencil crayons, like it's everywhere. And natural me, I know you think I'm, you think I'm really kind and you think I'm a good person. Bless your heart. Natural me walks in and I get stressed. <laughs> I get frustrated. And, I'm, and I immediately think, how many times have I told them to pick up after themselves? How many times have I told them to clean up? Not Emmy. She could do nothing wrong. She's two and she's beautiful. <laughs> That's not true. Well, yes, it is true. But how many times have I, have I told them to pick this up? Do they not listen? Do they not care? Are they deliberately de- being defiant? And then I get, I get angst and I get frustrated. I get angry and I can lash out. Or when I choose to look at those things and, and see my kids playing joyfully and that they have a house over their head that they feel that they can totally trash because they're completely comfortable. <laughs> I start thinking about the joy that they have and the memories that they're making. I start focusing on that. And I start seeing that. And so, yes, I see remnants of a craft, but I see creativity happening. And I see Lego blocks everywhere and I've stepped on them. They hurt my foot and now I can't walk properly for at least a day. But at least they're using their mind and their imagination. And all of a sudden, my altitude has changed and my perspective has changed. And that's a really easy example, right? Let me give you another one. And we could look at all that's going on in our world right now. I'm saying this one because it's applicable to every single person. And we can get frustrated with lockdowns and rules and masks and all these different things. And we can get angry that we haven't seen family for months and months and 18 months and we didn't have the wedding that we planned and we didn't have the vacation or we lost our job or we lost income or what. And we can, we can get upset and divided over vaccine and unvaccine. And we can pin each other against one another. Or, or, I can look at what's happening in other countries and thank God that I still have freedom, that I have breath, that I'm not trying to chase after a plane that's taking off because I'm fearing for my life. I can stop and pause and be like, yeah, this all stinks, but comparatively, thank you, Jesus. And I can let gratitude fill my heart. So yes, all these things frustrate me, but no longer do they pin me down. And be like, oh, Thank you, God. Thank you that I live in Canada, that I live in Ontario, and that, yes, I do have freedoms, 
and I have breath in my lungs and I can come to a church and I can worship. Thank you, Lord. That unlike some nations, people in some nations, I'm not running for my life. Like actually, not metaphorically, literally. Thank you that I'm not hiding because I'm fearing that someone's gonna come in right now and take my family and children away from me. There are believers, church. There are people that are living that life right now. How dare we? How dare we? Look at what we're facing. Do you know what? There's a very real enemy who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's influenced our thoughts, which is going to influence how we feel and our actions to divide us. We need to change our altitude. So let us step back, take a deep breath, and start counting all the ways that we can be thankful. Remember that? Some of you old timers, old timers? Did I just say old timers? Old timers. Some of you have been, some of you experienced once. Remember that song, Count Your Blessings, one by one? There's a reason we sang that in church. Because we forget. Studies around gratitude, I'm going to say this, I'm going to close. Studies around gratitude and practicing thankfulness show a few things. That people who regularly take time to notice and count the ways that they're thankful experience more positive emotions, feel more alive, sleep better, express more compassion. So if you're, if you're feeling like you're not being compassionate, maybe you need to stop, breathe, and be a little more thankful. Disconnect from toxic emotions and have stronger immune systems. Look out, COVID. I'm grateful. So maybe my parents were onto something when they said positive ways. So can I challenge us as a church? Be grateful. Take notice of the things and people that you're grateful for every day. In fact, I would encourage you each morning, each evening to at least speak out three things that you're thankful for because that will actually alter your reality. What you, say, what you set your eyes on will determine what you see. And let me read this one last verse for us. Philippians 4 verse 8 again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word, for your truth. Thank you for David. Thank you for the, the lessons we can learn in the Psalms. And Lord, I pray that all of us, God, we would, we would look back at all the things you've done for us in our individual lives and for the body and for your people. And we would, we would be thankful and we'd be grateful. Lord, that we would choose to set our eyes on things above. We would choose to look for the good around us. And we would allow that to influence our thoughts and minds. Lord, so that our feelings and our actions could follow. So I pray in the name of Jesus, as your word calls us to think about such things, to set our minds on things above, to seek first the kingdom of God, to fix our eyes on Christ, that we would do so. And we do so right now. I turn my attention to Jesus. Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for giving your life for me, for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that we have breath today. Thank you that we can come and worship your name. Thank you that regardless of what we face in this side of life, because in this world we will have trouble, that you've overcome the world. And at the resurrection, the resurrection, Lord, all the things we long for, the eternity that is in our hearts, we will see, we will be at peace. So give us peace in the midst of the storm. Give us strength in the midst of the trial. And let us be grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness. Follow us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gratitude can shift your altitude. So go and be grateful. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.